What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K. Sam. Man, it is another hot summer day in the North Texas area. And bro, so when I tell y'all it is hot, like I, like I like to tell my boys, it is spicy out here. Man, yesterday I was on the call, and I, I, I was not doing anything but standing up. And this was about 7 o'clock because I work night shift. I was just standing up as a backup officer, and I was dripping sweat, like so bad to where it looked like I poured some water over my face. It's terrible. It is terrible. But I love summertime, man. I'm here for it. I like I like this heat. I can't deal with the cold, uh, not not at all. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Speak on It podcast with K Sam. Here on the Speak on It podcast, we have a motto. The motto is: We're not trying to change the entire world, but change the heart of one person at a time. And that's what it is all about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before we get started, I want to dive into um, a story. Let's say a story, but an incident that took place on May 6, 2023, uh, in Allen, Texas, where they had an active shooter go to an uh, uh, outlet mall, the Allen Premium Outlet Malls, and open fire, where he ultimately killed, um, I think it was eight people. And wounded another seven before he was gunned down by Allen PD officer. So I just want to commend, first off, this officer. I mean, I had the privilege of, of meeting him. Um, I want to commend this officer for the outstanding job well done. But also, I want to explain and and let you let my listeners know how much um, your own your own brothers and sister and sisters in blue could be your worst critics, your worst critics. Um, I, I tend to tell people quite often, you know, it, it's known that uh, we have the strong family and brotherhood and sisterhood and we'll do anything we can to defend each other and, and, you know, cover for each other to the, to the depths of lying for each other, no matter what circumstances. And I'm here to tell y'all, ladies and gentlemen, that by far is not the truth. In some circumstances, it is. In some circumstances, it is. And not talking about lying for each other, but in some circumstances, you have coworkers where they are genuinely feel like family, you know, brothers and sisters to you, extended family to you, where they have outside relationships with you outside of work. Um, kind of my motto is if we not hanging out outside of work where we get to know each other personally outside of work, then we are coworkers and acquaintances and, and you know, stuff like that. I, we're not friends. But yeah, man, it, 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 this ain't, like this police world is dirty, bro. Like it's, it's dirty. I done been backstabbed so many times um, for harmless stuff. But you know you have haters, and how they say if you not if you don't have haters, then I mean you're not doing something right. Um, but I'm gonna get into the story in case y'all didn't hear. You can look it up on YouTube and show TikTok and Instagram, whatever is is out there now. All the body cam videos. Um, it's a great watch. It is it is a great watch. But like I said, I want to talk about this incident one to spotlight the officer and give him his credit where his credit is due, and. Look at the good things that he done versus the negative things that some some law enforcement officers are trying to are trying to talk about. So here we go. On May 6, 
2023, you have an officer, and this is all on body cam, so this is kind of where the transcript comes from. You see an um, Allen police officer talking to a mother and her two kids, and, like, it, it's so crazy how how quick you got to flip your switch on in this job. So this guy was dealing with a call for service, and when the video starts, he is doing some Good community policing, some uh, community, uh, some policing education, telling the kids something along the lines of making sure you wear your seatbelt or whatever that conversation was. When all of a sudden you can hear more than 10 gunshots ring out off in the distance. So the mom and her kids go to cover. The officer stops. You could tell he kind of stops and like, wait, is, is that what I just heard? Calls it out over the radio, grabs his rifle, and he's ready to do work. Um, so he gets, uh, I say gets out on foot, but he's on foot and he runs for approximately four. So the footage was about four minutes from the time where the footage started to the time he shot the suspect four minutes of running with the rifle through, through the parking lot. So he is literally hunting down this shooter. You can hear the gunshots going off and you can tell it's getting further and further away. He's yelling at people, get out, go, get out of here, move, get get down. He's communicating over the radio. Uh, so he runs across the, the outlet mall parking lot for approximately two to three minutes uh, where multiple rounds of gunfire can still be heard throughout the time. So the whole time until he got to the shooter, it was active gunfire. So it was an active shooter all day. Um, and then he finally gets to the shooter and he lays it down, man. That man, look. Great, outstanding shot. I don't know how far it was because you can't really see the distance from the body cam. But from the time, from where he shot, then the distance that he had to walk to get to the suspect, I could I could say it was about about a fifty yard shot. Um, so you so let, let's put everything into perspective. So you and you and um chill. I would say chill mode, but I forgot. So they have like the color deal where you like in yellow and red and black mode and you know orange mode where you kind of you different levels of um um i can't think of the word oh gosh it's gonna drive me crazy but anyway so you different levels of um and there i go right back to it trying to figure it out anyway so he goes from no worries at all doing a little community education handing out stickers and stuff, educating these kids on listening to mom, make sure you buckle up, to bam, gunshots. Oh, so you got to think his adrenaline spike, boom, through the roof. And now I got to go get to work. Now I have an active shooter, people dying. It's only me. I'm is either hero or zero. I'm, I'm it. Tag, I'm it. Let's do work. And that man done great work. So here's my issue that I had with, once these videos came out. So you have all these police uh, Facebook pages and Instagram uh, pages and stuff like that. And they have one page that I particularly follow. Won't even mention the name, but I follow. And what they do is they post these body cam videos and they they do it and put out training points. Most cases, great training points. This particular video I have a problem with is because they talk about this man's physical uh, capabilities, physical f uh, fitness. Because in the video, 
it appears that that he he walks a couple times. You know, you can tell he's out of breath. He's talking. He's yelling, trying to communicate over the radio, trying to control his breathing, his adrenaline, like all kind of stuff is happening. You know, he's he's hunting. Don't know where this guy is. You know, he could be walking into an ambush. Don't know how many shooters it is. So there's a lot of things going through this this guy's mind. And instead of just saying great job by this other officer, as everybody said, by this officer, as, as people saying, they want to ding him on his physical fitness. Now nobody knows what this cop's what this cop looked like. He could be as skinny as a hundred a uh, hundred and ten pounds, or he could be as heavy as, as three hundred thirty pounds. But nobody knows this because you don't see him. All you hear is his voice and what his body and what he sees through his body cam. So the fact that they want to ding him on his physical fitness just because he's seen walking after this man and ran two to three minutes across the parking lot, yelling, all kind of no telling what other things, you know, was going through his mind. And he took down the shooter by himself after all that, and, and we go try to ding him on physical fitness. I think that is bogus, and, 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 that's, just, that's, and that's why I said how law enforcement are our biggest critiques. And look, we watch, they have videos, police videos all over the internet. You can watch it all day on YouTube, body cam videos from shootouts to car chases and everything. And there's always something we can learn from an incident. Always something you could do better. But I tend to have a problem when all we look for is what we could do better instead of just saying, hey, great job in that circumstance, in that situation with what you had to deal with. Great job. Yeah, we could deal, we could always do this better. Um, but that doesn't even matter. You got the job done. You saved like Look, if this officer was not on property, no telling how many people would have lost their lives that day. No telling how many. But, again, great job to this officer. Uh, I don't even think his name was disclosed, and I forgot his name from the, the day that I met him because um, it's been, been quite some time. But kudos to him, man. Great job. He is definitely a hero. Um, and... If he so happened to was to hear my podcast, man, my message to you is keep your head up and sleep good at night because you you done exactly what you signed up to do um, and don't let nobody else tell you different. Great job. Moving along. So on another Instagram page I follow, 4th of July weekend, they posted a, some stats from 4th of July weekend only. 4th of July weekend only. Let's make that clear. No other, no other time but 4th of July weekend. Across the country, across the country, more than 125 people were shot over the 4th of July weekend. Out of that 125 people shot, 20 was killed. 20 was killed. Did you see any of this on the news? Is CNN talking about this? Is ABC talking about this? It's Fox News talking about this. I wonder why. So it breaks down by cities. Baltimore, two killed, 28 wounded. Fort Worth, Texas, three killed, eight wounded. Philadelphia, five killed, two wounded. Shreveport, Louisiana, the 318. Three killed and seven wounded. And Washington, D.C. had nine people shot. You know, and I asked myself, why are we not talking about this in the news? Like, why? Why? Like, that is a big deal 
in in one weekend alone across the country, you had over a hundred twenty five people shot. Why? Well, I'm sorry, I got a, like a little, <clears throat> like a little little cold or something trying to trying to come in. But we will rebuke that one. We will rebuke that one. So, um, and then let's go a little bit deeper. You know, I like to try to give my stats of officers that were shot in the line of duty. And as of June thirtieth, June thirtieth, twenty twenty three. You had 194 officers shot, 25 killed by gunfire, and 66 shot in ambush-style attacks. So the first six months of the year, almost 200 police officers shot in the line of duty and 25 killed. Again, you don't hear none, we don't see none of this on the news, you know, that the attack on law enforcement is real and it's still active. It's real and it's still active. Um, but what are we doing as a as a country to stop the killing in general? Gun control ain't gonna stop it. You could take all the guns, you can stop selling all the guns. The guns are guns, they out there. Many years of 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 gun sales are out there. People got so many guns that they don't even know how many guns they have. <laughs> and you think hey, we think that controlling guns and stopping people from buying assault rifles gonna stop it? That's out there already. We that that's too late. That is too late. Moving along, um, and I still haven't gotten to the, the, the topic of the episode, uh, but I just all educational stuff. So Los Angeles County, they changed their bail policy reinstatement. So what that ultimately says is that law enforcement cannot detain or arrest individuals for crimes that are non-serious and non-violent. Non-serious and non-violent. So what type, what type of crimes is that you ask? Well, that's your theft, your shopliftings, your drug use, vandalisms, uh, batteries, some states call them assaults, and non-serious, non-violent crimes. Hmm. So, what, so how that works? So from what I kind of read, surface level of it, that, of course, you can't detain them, but if you do arrest them, so you, you can't detain them, but if you arrest them, they are released immediately, immediately without having to pay a bail. Immediately without having to pay a bail. Um, so the judge gave opportunity for the local officials. So from your LAPD chief to your LA County Sheriff, so your higher ups, people who has who has power to to speak up on this issue to say something, and nobody said anything. So the bill has passed, and that's how they operate in uh in LA County now. Oh, it's crazy. So LA County, Los Angeles County is where that took place. Uh, so it's and it, it's it's starting to be, it's what I say it's starting to be, but it's head-scratching these lawmakers and these people who in charge of making these decisions of, like, what's the ultimate goal here? Are we trying to protect the the um, innocent citizens from being victims, or are we trying to protect the the suspects who's choosing to do these crimes? Because I kind of feel like now the suspects have more rights and protection than law enforcement officers and your average citizen. 
which is just mind blowing. Just mind blowing. So let's jump into the actual episode now. So I want to talk to y'all about recruiting, recruiting struggles in law enforcement, recruiting struggles in law enforcement. So I found this article I got my information from. um, It's called The Crisis for Law Enforcement. And it says that law enforcement agencies across the United States are struggling to recruit and hire police officers, which that is a fact. That is a fact. Nobody wants to be the police. Um, People who, most people who want to be the police are not qualified applicants. Um, And a lot, a lot, they have a lot more variables that goes into the recruiting struggles that, that we go, I'm going to try to touch base on. So it says that, that there is a shortage, but they done a survey here. I'm trying to see where I put my, uh, where I put my little note. So approximately 18,000 cops, they have 18,000 cops across the United States. And that goes from federal, state, local, and tribal police officers, 18,000 across the country. So they done a they done a survey which which kind of gave gave a better understanding to the extent of recruiting the recruiting crisis and the factors that underlies the difficulties. And from that they said it's not due to one particular incident but rather multiple social, political and economic forces that all simultaneously uh, play in shaping the, the current state of recruitment and retention. So I know in my agency, um, we just came up with a hiring committee because as of now, we only have two actual full-time recruiters where their job is to pull applications, contact applicants, set up test dates, administer tests, PT tests, background checks, travel and with with COVID, you know, from my understanding, it was a lot easier for them to go to these job fairs and and um, these colleges and stuff like that. But COVID, I guess, shut down all that in person contact. So now they just going straight off of social media and and word of mouth, social media and word of mouth. And what you what you get now, luckily, our agency um, get some some good quality applicants got a lot of people coming from all over the all over the country still to come work to come work in our agency so the agencies so these agencies out of the 18,000 law enforcement agencies have more than 1 million employees which is approximately 70% are sworn officers and 30 are or like nine sworn civilian employees um so then they presented some some numbers that's that shows the struggles and so for example 78 percent of the agencies reported having a difficulty in recruiting qualified candidates qualified candidates 78 percent 65 percent of the agencies reported that having that they are having too too few candidates apply in general to be so they're not getting many people to apply and then 75 percent of agencies reported that recruiting is more difficult today than it was five years ago um, so within that three to five years is when is when COVID kind of took in. Fifty percent of the agencies reported having to change agency policies in order to increase the changes of gaining qualified applicants. Remember that one. Fifty percent had to change 
policies in order to increase the chances of getting qualified applicants. 25% of the agencies reported having to reduce or eliminate certain agency service units or positions because of staffing difficulties. So let's start with the first one. 78% reported having difficulty in recruiting qualified candidates. So, man, like I said, so much goes into why somebody ultimately decides that they want to be police or why they ultimately decides they don't want nothing to do with the police. Um, and we could go, I could give you a long laundry list of reasons, but I'm going to just try to touch on a few. So let's go on to why somebody wouldn't want to be the police. So in, in today's society with social media, the news, how they try to spotlight and paint police officers across the country, no matter if you small agency, big agency, or what, that they are spotlighting all cops across the country, good and bad, to be bad police. And we just out here doing bad work, violating people's rights, just walking around wanting to kill people, shoot people for no reason. That we just out here as the biggest gang in the country. So if 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 I'm Citizen Joe and I'm thinking of a career move and 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 I'm seeing all this. Why would I want to go join a profession that that has a negative a negative name on it? You know, like like who who wants to do that? But I'm gonna tell you why you should do it. Um, then you may have family who may not be police supporters. So if you can't have any, if I have anybody in the in the in, in your circle in the country who should support you, if you can't have your own family support you, then why do it? Unless you're a strong individual and say, look, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this for y'all. Whether y'all support me or not, I'm doing it, you know, to make myself happy or I'm doing it because I feel that this is my calling and this is where I need to be. What else? If you start hearing the, the negative talk in your ear, oh, you could be a crooked cop. You could be a dirty cop. You just being a cop because you was bullied in high school. So there's so much stuff that could go into why somebody would be influenced from not wanting to be a cop. On the other hand, why would you want to be a cop during these times? It's very rewarding, um, honestly. Like, it's just super rewarding, especially if you live in a community that appreciates you. But not only appreciate you, but let it be known that you are appreciated, that you are loved, that you are wanted here, um, and that, that you are needed here. You know, and that, 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 that within itself is a... It's a blessing because, <laughs> like Sergeant Holmes said, uh, said said in the episode, you know, working in Louisiana, but people, you know, don't like the cops, especially in certain areas. You may get a one finger wave. If everybody know the one finger wave is not not the matambo, not the matambo one finger. No, no, no. We're talking about the middle finger wave, and then out here you get the five finger wave where. You know, your citizens love you. Hey, officer, how you doing? You know, hey, Miss Johnson, doing good. You know, uh, so that that's rewarding right there. Then to be able to to go when you have that opportunity to where you could truly feel and see that you made a difference in somebody's lives, like right then and there, like what, like you single handedly impacted somebody's life for the good is super rewarding. 
And then you also got to remember that you are a role model. People look up to you, whether it's adults, young kids. Um, you know, for example, like me, I had my little nephew look up to me and a couple of my other boys who are police officers. Um, so much that he wanted to join a profession himself. Um, so you have things like that that's rewarding in the job. 65% saying that they having too few candidates applying to be law enforcement. So that could go back into the whole why people not applying. Um, f- money, finances, not every agency gets paid well. But even if you do get paid well, some states cost a lot to live in. Like, you know, some areas is, is expensive. So, yeah, you may be making six figures, but how much of those six figures are you actually getting to enjoy and, and live, you know, live a good quality of life off of? Um, so why people are not applying, again, we could go on and on about the what ifs. I don't think is I don't think nobody narrowed it down to specifically say why they don't want to, why these people not applying. I think it just has to be like a survey because each individual is different of why they want to do it and why they don't want to do it. You know, you ask your average cop, hey, why you want to be a cop? I wanted to come out and help people and this and this, and I wanted to be somebody's hero one day. That's that's cute. That's cute. But why you really want to do it? Me, I don't want to do it because, honestly, like, honest, 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 um, and I'll tell the story at the at the end of this episode, but I really thought that in the time where law enforcement was being attacked, around 2014, 2015, when Obama was, was president and the Ferguson stuff was starting to kick off, I honestly thought and felt, felt that I could make a difference. Um, and I have a motto that says, be the change by action and not by words. So don't sit there and complain about something if you're not willing to go and put forth the foot and making it making a change in that in that situation. Um, but besides that, man, I like that action. I determined I was an adrenaline junkie uh, working in the agency in Louisiana. I had all the it was real police work, and I say real police work because it's stuff that you that you sign up to do: foot chases, car chases, you know, getting into fights and the dog bites, and you know, doing all of the cool police work. And not everywhere is like that. You know, not everywhere is like that. I've been in, in my department over here four years. I can't tell you the last time I had a foot chase. I can't. Kind of question if I still got it. But I, I know I still got it. I'm just playing with y'all. Um, moving along, 75% of the agencies reported recruiting is more difficult today than it was five years ago. Five years ago, people was banging down the doors to be the police. I think my agency said that at one point, when they would do two tests a year, they had well over 600 applicants to come take the test. 600 applying to be the police here in this city. Now they're looking at about 200, maybe 300. So about half of that now of applicants wanting, you know, applying, which is, which is crazy. So, again, like I said earlier, it's COVID where now they don't have these career affairs and they're not going to these face-to-face interactions. And, you know, truth be told, yeah, they could probably get back to it, but with with the strong use of social media, you could reach out. You could reach way more people across the country with social media than you would ever do by going to these places physically. 
Um, so 50%, here's the red flag, and here's why you had incidences that happened, like in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I think it was beginning this year, last year, whatever. Uh, 50, 50% of agencies reported having to change agency policies in order to increase the chances of gaining qualified applicants. So, ladies and gentlemen, if law enforcement departments continue to lower their standards just to get numbers, so we're looking at quantity over quality, this country is going to be in trouble. This country is going to be in trouble because not everybody should be a cop, one. Not everybody can be a cop, two. Um, I always tell people it's actually easy to be a cop. It's not that hard. It's a lot of common sense. (laughs) You know what's right and what's wrong, and all you got to do is apply the law to it. Pretty simple. It's not technical. Uh, Yeah, you have some some situations that's kind of like, oh, it can't go this way, it can't go that way. But then again, what's right? What's right for that incident? Every every situation is different. Maybe the same call type. Maybe a domestic. One domestic would never be the same as the other domestic. So you can't never, you shouldn't, I ain't going to say can't, but most times you won't go to a domestic and be like, oh, yeah, I had the same situation, the same variables, the same exact thing where I know like, oh, yeah, the last time I just done this because everything is always different. You know, you got history at that address. Uh, you have history on that person. And we go on and on. Um, but if you continue to drop your standards, you get incidences and you get officers that they had in Memphis, Tennessee with the Tyree Nichols deal. It it came out that those officers made it through the hiring process once the agency lowered their standards to get more more um, people on the department because they were short. They were shorthanded. Don't quote me on the numbers, but I think, like, Dallas PD is short. So it's a big department. But if I'm not mistaken, I think last I heard, they short well over 1,000, maybe 1,500 officers. It gets to the point where nine in-progress calls, so if a call nine progress, like, you know, a shooting or something major, serious crime, you just want to report a, a break-in of your vehicle, Man, I heard it's like days or so that you <laughs> that you have to wait to report something like that. But in a city in the in the city like Dallas, you know, it's such a huge area with all these people. Why why people not banging down the door to go be the police in Dallas? Well, you know, you see stuff in the in the news about DPD uh, officers doing X Y Z or just the high crime, and you know, some people just not ready for that. And I don't blame them, you know, because this is not an everyday job. This is not a job where you wake up. One morning and say, you know what? <clears throat> I'm sick of working at McDonald's. I'm going to be a cop. Cop makes more money. I'm just going to be a cop. Hell with it. Because this job can also take your life. You can also lose your life in this job. So this is like, you got to want to do this job. You got to, like, your heart has to be in this job. Like, you really have to want to go out and, and serve people. Because meanwhile, in my agency, yes, we're not getting the I'm not getting the high crime and the the shootings and the car chases and foot chases as as I was in Louisiana. But now I'm more so in the service 
aspect of law enforcement. We get a lot of calls for service like some in my in my honest in my honest opinion, I think it's a lot of nonsense, you know. But that's just the community that we have. And I'm grateful because it could be worse, you know. Uh the pay is good. Again, you have a community that supports you, that backs you up, that that let it be known that they support you. When you start lowering your standards, then that's when you start getting your bad apples. And then that's when you start getting your problems. And if if you're an agency that's so busy to where you can't you can't start picking up on those little problems and stuff like that, again, you have situations like the Tyree Nichols situation that that would happen with, with the officers. And then you said 25% of agencies reported having to reduce certain crimes and uh I'm sorry, certain units. To, to fill these positions. And, yeah, man, that's what happens. So you start taking away your specialized units, you know. You start taking away your, your plain clothes narcotic detectives. You start taking away your undercover, uh, undercover intelligence officers. Um, you start pulling detectives back to patrol. Um, people out your training unit. So you because the heartbeat around the police department is patrol. That's the officers that's out on the streets, that's handling the calls, that's that's we the we the we the thing that gets everything rolling. You know, any crime comes through us. We the we the initiators of the reports and everything like that. So if anything that you need, you need your patrol officers, and that's where you should be heavy at. Um so we, what is driving this recruitment crisis? What is driving? So it's like factors. They put it into two categories. So you have factors that are problematic with the current applicant pool. So, again, people, you're not having good qualified applicants. And then you have certain types of candidates that are not applying to work in law enforcement. So, again, you have people that's not qualified, and then you have people that are – that are just not applying. But then they even go break it down into you have generational differences. So this generation, they don't want to work. Today's today's society, people don't want to work. Man, my wife is a is a manager and she constantly having to hire new people, hire new managers, because people just quit. People don't show up. People don't even give two weeks notice. I'm like, man, nobody don't want to work. Like, geez. So you have like millennials and generation Z that loosely defines individuals who range from high school age to their late thirties. Um, and so they more value their work life and balance than their baby boomer counterparts. So again, they, they get into the generational differences. And then, like I said, the public image on law enforcement has a, um, when the public believe that the perception of law enforcement limits interest into the profession because when you see the scrutiny of the police department, the cell phone recordings of interaction between the police and the public, the media coverage and the popular entertainment that portrays of police may have led young people to view the police differently than what their parents may have. So back then when I was growing up, it was the thing that you respected law enforcement no matter what. If a cop was to go and tell your parents, grandparents that, hey, you know, Mr. Sam, 
Um, I, I, I ran, I contacted Kendall cause he was throwing rocks in the roadway at cars. All right. Thank you, officer. Uh, I'm a deal with it and I'm gonna get my tail spanked. Now you have people and even with teachers though, but you have parents that, that believe their kids over other adults and other over people of authority. And then kids see that and know what she, I got I got mom and daddy on my side, so I'm a, I could do whatever I want, and they go have my back from when these from when these you know authority figures come and try to tell on me. I know that they go have my back. Um, and then you, it, it says that like majority of police officers feel that their jobs have gotten more difficult since high profile use of force incidences that have dominated the national uh, conversation. So, like I like I talked about earlier, line of duty deaths have also become more highly publicized, including the killings of police due to community tension, such as the mass shooting that happened in Dallas uh, in 2016, which I think that anniversary was a couple of days ago. So, if if a if a citizen sees that just from the first six months of the year that what I said, 194 officers, almost 200 officers was shot not killed just shot why would you want to come and do this job yes you know it's a dangerous job and you have the chance of having to shoot somebody and getting shot but why would i go sign up when i see it was real when i started in 2015 when i started my career you didn't see you didn't see these large numbers of of police officers getting shot or killed it wasn't such a thing. And now it's like it's happening every day. It's like a norm. And nobody talks about it. Why are we not talking about this? You know, we we get all up in the uproar and, and get in our feelings and, and scrutinize people for making memes of these individuals who died in the submarine, bless their souls, and, you know, prayers go out to their family, all that other good stuff. But why nobody not talking about these officers who's going out and doing a job to save and to to serve individuals who they don't have no ties to. Why am I not upset with that? Why are we not talking about this? But God forbid if I go post a meme on some individuals who died in the submarine, but nobody cares about police officers getting gunned down daily, daily. Right now, Whenever you listen to this episode, I guarantee you a police officer just got shot, possibly killed. Every every day is happening. But we're not talking about it. Why? Because it doesn't affect us. The submarine didn't affect you at all. And I'm just saying, like, speaking vaguely to the to the ones who who felt some type of way towards the people who who was making these posts and stuff. That didn't affect you. Yeah, the internet is is rootless. The internet is wrong. The internet is definitely undefeated. But that's the society we live in. You know, and people's like, well, that's humans. They, you know, loved ones, their families have to deal with that now. And uh that was, you know, over the that was over the news across the country that their death was just was just talked about and but nobody's not talking about these these self, selfless selfless yeah jeez individuals the police officers that goes out and do this job day in and day out 
knowing, knowing that that they don't have a chance to return home to their family. And yes, that's what we signed up for. That's what we signed up for. Um, but that still doesn't mean that just because I signed up for it, I have the right to to die. <laughs> yeah, they signed up to go down to the submarine. They signed up and they knew the risk of going that deep in that ocean. I'm not saying that they deserve to die, but they made the decision to get on that submarine, you know? So, uh, so public image of, of law enforcement and then the hiring process challenge where they says is, um, so passing a background check is a huge barrier in hiring individuals because you have to meet the necessary criteria to become a police officer. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I talked to the manager at, at the local gym I, I work out at out here about letting our agency come out there and set up a recruiting table. You know, we're trying to go on a summer, summer recruiting tour. <clears throat> so me and him started talking. And I was like, yeah, man, if you want to be a cop, man, like, we hire. It's a great time to be a police. This agency is a growing agency. Money's good. Community is great. X, Y, Z. So we had another conversation yesterday, and he was like, man, he said, you know, every time I start filling out an application, I kind of get discouraged because I don't have a necessary clean record. Okay, okay, I got you. I said, I said, I get you. I said, but most police officers have some type of record. Whether or not, like, it could be traffic citations. People get worked up because, I mean, I got tickets. I can't be a cop because I got tickets. Bro, cops get tickets. I told him, I said, I said, nobody in their in their life could honestly and truthfully say that since I was a since I was a a, a little a little boy, little little person, that I lived my life knowing that once I was of age to do so, I was gonna be the police. Uh, I know I didn't. I didn't have no intentions. I never thought about being a police. Nobody in my family is 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 the police. I was the first one, you know. So to to sit there and say, "Oh yeah, yes sir," I knew I was going to be a cop. Boy, sit sit, have a seat. So I told him, "I said, man, don't let that discourage you." I say, "Cause whatever may be on your record, whether is is, is drug charges, uh, batteries, assaults, whatever." That don't let that hinder you or stop you from applying. Let these people tell you no. Don't sell yourself short of a chance. Let them tell you no. Um and and go from there. Let them tell you no. So again, don't don't be discouraged on something that's out of your control. It's in the past, it happened, you know. So as long as you could you could or I said you could justify or explain whatever charges you may have. You know, they had a, another employee in the office, and she was like, "Well, do y'all do drug tests?" Yes, we do drug tests. I said, "But look, if you smoking you weed, stop smoking. If you don't, if you really want to, this is a career, this is a profession, this is a life changing job. How bad do you want it? Stop smoking weed if that's what you're doing." I said, "But you know, she was like, oh no, I don't smoke. Said, Man, look, if you do smoke, I don't care. That's on you, <laughs> but." Don't let things hinder you from from applying. You know, you're selling yourself short without uh, 
without even without even knowing. You know, they may they may take you. So then it says like multi stage hiring process is helpful for agencies to weed out recruits who do not make the cut, uh, and it could be long and and is a long process. And then so towards the end of this episode, I'll give advice on how to apply and how you can prepare for. The process, 47.5% reported having a hiring process that lasts anywhere from four months to over a year. Depending on the needs of the applicants, uh, potential recruits may be unable or unwilling to wait that long. So what tends to happen, too, is some people get so anxious to to be the police, they just start hiring at every agency that they can. Just jump, bump, bump, bump. That looks bad on you. Do not do that. You know, find you, narrow you down, you know, three, maybe the five agencies, and apply. And then when they ask, you know, well, how many agencies you apply? Because I think that's a question that comes up. How many agencies you applied for? And tell them, you know, because each agency will offer different things. Uh, one agency will be better than the other. One agency, you know, won't be better than some. But you can still see yourself working for that agency. So just, just be straightforward, man. You know, don't go hiring, you know, trying to jump to – to 10 or 12 different agencies and applying from all over the place. So that, that's a red flag. That is definitely a red flag. Uh, challenges to civilian recruiting. Um, I don't really want to get into it. We ain't going to talk about civilian stuff. So let's talk about the impact on the profession. So while it's continued to lose officers without bringing the number of qualified recruits to replace them, that's going to hurt the communities more than the police department. Because police department will go function. No matter how many people they got, they go still function. They go. I always tell people, people get so worked up around here because we're so short-handed, and you know, I was like, man, look, we handle what we can. If a major incident come up, I guarantee you, you will stop what you're doing on your little burglary report, and you will come to the shooting. You know, in in Louisiana, uh, the big thing was always oh, short-handed. We short-handed. I always used to tell them. The citizens will never truly understand how shorthanded the police department is because any major incident, i.e. a shooting, you will still get you can still get raining police. They go have police coming from all over the, the different directions. You go have police there. You go have a heavy police presence. And and people will see that and say, Oh they still got a lot of police. Where people going gonna feel the effects is your response times to your motor vehicle accidents, the response times to your burglary uh, calls, your response times for you just your basic calls of service. When it takes you forty five minutes to an hour to get an officer, that's when the community is gonna is gonna feel that effect uh, because again you have longer wait times for calls of service, you have fewer crimes that are being solved and cleared. And the on-duty officers are going to get burned out and overworked, which threatens the quality of life in, in the community. So if if you have officers that's having to work every day, 12-hour shifts, that's mentally draining. Man, look, these little three days and four days in a row we work over here, it beats me up. It beats me up. Three, three or four days straight of, of 12 hours every night, man. Uh, so, so if the loss of police officers and employees continues along with the lack of hiring, the agencies will continue to take more of a strain on the on the agencies. So, what can we do to 
to get more people to hire. And I think it starts with the police officers that's that's currently out there. As as a police officer, my so when I go out on my on my on my shift, I have a couple goals that I set. I want to be a positive image for one myself. I want to represent my my family name, my last name in a positive light. So when somebody mentions Officer Sam, the only thing you can say is a positive thing about me. I want to represent the uniform and the oath for the city that I took. For again, when you say Officer Sam or somebody mentioned my name, I want to be able to be a good representative of the city and the agency that I work for. I also go out and want to have positive impacts with people. My thing is I go post up at, at one of the gas stations. What I do, I go eat my meals over there. I go take my little, I go get me some some to drink from over there. And I, I post up and I, I interact with people. You know, people see me eating my little meal preps in there. And, you know, that sparks conversations. Or I may spark conversation off of, you know, what somebody may have in their hand that they're ready to purchase. Having those conversations leads to positive interactions with the community because now whether somebody may not like the police at all, well, then they like Officer Sam because Officer Sam was cool. Officer Sam treated them right. I'll give you an example. Again, I posted up at the gas station. They have these two guys come in their little sports cars or whatever, you know, little souped-up cars and stuff with their little underglow lights and stuff. So I'm inside, I'm warming up my food, and one guy was like, hey, officer, can we? Uh, can I ask you a, a, a question? I was like, yeah, what's up? He said, can we take pictures by your car? I don't care. I said, that's your car. <laughs> that caught a below to me. That's the, if you a citizen, man, that's your car. Yeah. So he was like, man, you are so cool, man. Thanks, this and this. I was like, well, I'm glad I keep my car clean. You just never know. So they backed up their cars around my car, and they took their little photos and stuff. So then he comes back in. He's like, man, can I bother you to, like, just turn on, like, some lights so I can try to get it to match with my underglow? Like, yeah, cool, man. So, bam, turn on my little cruise lights, which is uh, um, some lights that just that just stays on. It's not the flashy lights and stuff. And at the end of all that, he came back and showed me his pictures. And, like, little dude was, like, really, like, smiling. He's like, dude, man, you're the coolest cop ever, man. Like, I thought you was going to say no, man. Like, God, this is so awesome. Like, man, I can't I can't wait to post these pictures, man. This is, dude. And, like, dude was, like, ready to give me a hug. I was like, man, you good, man. Like, it's no, it's, it's no like, you good, man. It's, it's all good. Like, this this is me. This is what I do. I don't, I don't put on the front for nobody i don't fake it for nobody um so police officers do your due diligence of speaking with people making positive interactions positive impacts you know if you see somebody man tell them hey we hiring you know come do a ride along with me um is it it is our responsibility also to um to get good qualified candidates like it is our responsibility to make sure that people are are wanting to do the job for the right reasons. It's not just the background investigators because the background investigators ain't going to be on the front lines with these people. It's going to be us. It's going to be us. So invest invest in, in your backup also. 
you know, invest in your backup people, people who um who wanna who wanna do the job, who wants to do the job. So start wrapping this up. So I'm gonna give advice on how to apply and how to prepare for the application process. So first thing I always say is visit your uh, your department of interest if you can. I know some people are applying from across the country and stuff, uh, but if if you live in an area where you have multiple um, cities in, in your area and you have multiple options, visit each department. Man, go in there in the front lobby and say, hey, can I talk to a recruiter? Or, you know, if you if you get a police officer that works in the lobby, because I know, like, our officers, if you hurt to a certain extent, that you work what they call the fishbowl. So, man, go in there and ask some questions. Hey, how do y'all work? What's y'all schedules? This and this. You know, ask, ask your questions there. So visit departments, ask questions to officers on the streets. You see officers at a gas station. I know some people, some officers may look like like assholes and unapproachable and stuff, but still, man, that's what conversations happen at. Hey, officer, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, why do y'all leave your car running all the time? Well, I'll tell you why. I get people all the time if I'm inside eating at a restaurant. Hey, officer, uh, I think you left your car running. Yeah, I know, like. I didn't forget to turn it off, <laughs> but I explained to them, you know, we have so much electronics and the computers and stuff that, that has to stay on. Uh, and if the car is turned off for an X period of time that the computer dies. Uh, so we got to keep these batteries charged and stuff. And people are like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, so when you see also on the streets, uh, take time to ask a question, maybe a stupid question, but uh, like they say in school, the, uh, the stupid questions are the questions that are unasked. So ask a question, man. Make a conversation with an officer. Uh, ask about a ride-along program. I always tell people, if you want to do this job, if you have any interest of doing this job, sign up to do a ride-along. Always um, promote ride-along with me. I tell them, come ride with me. I, I tell my supervisors, anybody that's here for a ride-along, sit them with me because I enjoy talking about the job and educating people about what we do because some people still quite don't understand what we do. So get in the cars, get in the passenger seat, see it firsthand. Again, ask questions once you get in there. Now, don't become a pest and start asking all kind of just silly questions like, oh, can I turn on the lights or can I shoot your gun or can I drive? The-? No, 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 don't do that. Sit down and 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 take it all in. You know, ask about how the computer system works. Ask about, you know, what this call mean or how you handle this type of call or why you why do you park like this on a traffic stop? You know, ask some good some good <clears throat> quality questions. Um, so let me talk about the ride along real quick and I need to start wrapping this up. <clears throat> so 2013, yeah, 2013 or so I was a firefighter. That's what I wanted to do. Now growing up, I knew I was going to be a firefighter. I was the, I was the little kid that would go run around setting little fires in the yard, uh, on the, on our little burn pile that we had. Or we throw our trash and, and yard work stuff, and I'll come with the water hose and I spray it off. Now run around the, the yard with the water hose, wee wee wee, making a little fire truck noise. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Still, I didn't like live my life knowing. Now one day I'm going to be a firefighter, so I need to live a good, clean, quality life, so I could do this. No, I did not do that. But also, I knew I I knew not to get in trouble or. I wasn't going to live to see another day for my mom and my grandparents. Working as a firefighter in, in uh, Lafayette, I made friends with, with some police officers. Shout out to my boy, T. Howe, Howerton. Um, 
I used to DJ and stuff like that downtown. So I got cool with a couple officers. And Howard was like, man, you should come do a ride along with me, this and this. Now I've done a couple ride alongs with him. And I got so sucked into the adrenaline of the job, the the foot chases, just the interesting calls and the type of calls that they was getting. So it got to one point, like I was like wanting to jump out the car with like a flashlight, just a flashlight. I didn't have no kind of type. But I wanted to get into action. I wanted to get involved. And at that moment, I knew this is what this is where I need to be. Sitting in a twenty-four uh, in the fire station for twenty-four hours is is it wasn't for me, um, and I I put in my application, went through the process, and been a cop now eight years. And so ride along programs is what changed it for me. So get out and ride, ask these questions, mentally prepare for the the process because, like I said earlier, it's a long strenuous process. Um, that you, at some point you're going to feel like you ain't gone, you're not making no progress because at first it's like bang, 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 and then it's like a lull, and it's just like nothing is moving. So that can kind of get discouraging, but just mentally prepared that it's going to be long, mentally prepared that if you do get the, the job, that the academy is going to be tough, um, as in like book work, but it's common sense. You know, go to the academy be, because you are there to to make mistakes. That's where you want to make your mistakes at is in a controlled environment. Mistakes in the field could be costly and deadly. Make sure this is where your heart is. Make sure this is what you want to do. Make sure that when you wake up that this is not a job, that this is that this is something fun. This is not just like, ah, oh, man, I got to go to work today. No, you have the opportunity to go to work today because you live to see another day. Uh Without without getting without getting shot at or shot and killed. Remember, two hundred officers from the first six months have been shot. Twenty some of them lost their life. They will never get the opportunity to wake up and complain about. I got to go to work again. So make sure this is where your heart is, because if you're not doing this with your heart, uh, you can find yourself in, in some trouble, and it's, it's, it won't be it won't be a, a great career for you. This is not just another job where anybody could just pick up and say, "I'm going to be a cop." So. Um, man, I think that is it for today's episode. Um, I think I covered everything. I think I covered everything. Whew. So ladies and gentlemen, let me give you my closing word. Stop talking about your goals with everyone. Not everyone will be supportive. Just show up with results. Stop talking about your goals with everyone. Not everyone will be supportive. Just show up with your results. That is all, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K-Sam. Thank y'all for tuning in. Catch y'all next time.